Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. And today is Friday, October 20th, 2017. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter of Vision for You. We are on page 161, and we will be reading the first two full paragraphs on page 161 this morning. And today's readers are The 12 Steps, Kelly S., The 12 Traditions, Anita L., Our text readers are Barbara E. and Lauren N. Our newcomer greeter today is Penny C. And the host for the second hour is Susie K. And the the share ID for yesterday, Thursday, October 19th, 2017, the 7 a.m. meeting is 10562, 10,562. And the share ID for yesterday, the 10 a.m. meeting, is 10564, 10,564. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Kelly S. if she will read the 12 steps of OA for us, please. Thank you, Monica. It's Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Grateful to be here. Um, 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food. Our lives had become unmanageable, too came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed, and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you, Monica, for your service. Thank you, Kelly S. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 Traditions of OA for us, please. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks so much, everybody. And with that, I pass. Have a beautiful day. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So, today we are resuming our, our study of the big book. 
We are in the chapter of Vision for You. We are on page 161, and we will be reading the first two full paragraphs on that page that begin, Now this house, and we will, be, we will end with, How could they? And I'm going to ask Barbara E. if she would read those for us, please. And comments will be taken on both paragraphs today. Good morning, everyone. This is Barbara E. in New Jersey. All right. Now this house will hardly accommodate its weekly visitors for the the number 60 or 80 as a rule. Alcoholics are being attracted from far and near. From surrounding towns, families drive long distances to be present. A community 30 miles away has 15 fellows at Alcoholics Anonymous. Being a large place, we think that someday its fellowship will number many hundreds. But life among Alcoholics Anonymous is more than attending gatherings and visiting hospitals, cleaning up old scrapes, helping to settle family differences, explaining the disinherited son to his irate parents, lending money, and securing jobs for each other when justified. These are everyday occurrences. No one is too discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially. If it means if it means business, social distinctions, petty rivalries, and jealousies, these are left out of countenance. Being wrecked in the same vessel, being remind, being restored and united under one God with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others, the things which matter so much to some people no longer signify much to them. How could they? And, of course, this was written in 1939. Would they ever think that the number of people around the world would count 200, no, 2 million, I believe, over 2 million people AA. I wonder how many are in OA. I really do not know the answer. But I love that we are all wrecked in the same vessel, that we are, none of us, too discredited or sunk too low. And all it has to be is that we mean business. We are united together. When I came into OA, My ego tried to convince me that I was not good enough. My ego played upon my weaknesses and my darkest fears and discounted my strengths and accomplishments. My ego tried to make everything complex, and my ego tried to wreak discord and havoc on my thoughts and my emotions, and it paralyzed me in fear that I could not do it. I was desperate. I absolutely was. And what I found was that I was enveloped in love in any group I went in. They were compassionate. They helped me to point out that I did not have to be guided by ego anymore. I could be guided by a higher power, by divine guidance. It could, if I followed the instructions in the big book, and hung on to my abstinence, I could find out that I was a powerful spiritual being 
and that I did have strengths and I could apply them in a meaningful way if I was willing to do it. But I had to be willing and I had to do it and I had to follow good orderly direction. My higher power says, this is simple. Just do it, Barbara. My higher power says, I can improve in areas that will bring peace, tolerance, and love to my family and to my fellow man. My power says I can find some of my strengths and learn to apply them in meaningful ways. And my higher power says I must reach out to others and do for them what has been so generously done for me. This is a program that works if we're willing to work it. Thank you so much for allowing me to do this service, and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara E. And now we will open it up for shares, and who would like to share or comment on these two paragraphs on page 161? Anita L. This is Larry. Larry. Anybody else? Lauren N. Lauren. Leia S. Leia. Oh, you're being so nice to me, y'all. I can even. <laughs> Two more. Who else? All right. Well, we'll start with that. Anita L., Larry K., Lauren N., and Leia S. You're up, Anita. Good morning. Hi, this is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. Uh, I wanted to share, <clears throat> excuse me, I wanted to share because uh, this reading resonated with the fact that, you know, it started with just a few people. It was Bill and Bob, and then they had a third with Bill Dodson, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think 18 months later, there were 10 10 members, and now look how it's growing. So I wanted to relate it into the fact that um, in 2000, I moved to Flemington, New Jersey. There was no meeting there, and so I started a big book meeting, and no one came. So this is my point. Nobody came. However, I hung in there for six weeks. I read the format. I read a chapter. I shared with my higher power and myself. So there were two of us together and closed the meeting, came back the next week. And finally, six weeks later, somebody showed up. And a few weeks after that, there was a third. And I believe it's still in existence today. It was a Saturday morning meeting. And uh, then we moved back to Pennsylvania. And um, shortly after we moved back, I asked my higher power to let me know when it would be time to start a big book meeting here. And um, so my higher power helped me to facilitate a meeting and I made sure I asked a few people to make sure I had uh, some support to start the meeting. And we got another big book meeting with the same type of format that we use today underway. 
and none of those women are, and there was one guy, are attending that meeting today. However, the good news is that because my higher power wanted this meeting to be in existence to help others in the neighboring areas, December 6th, this this December, we'll be, we are going to celebrate our 10th anniversary. So it does work. None of those same people except for myself are the original people. However, you know, it's attraction rather than promotion. And when people found out it was a big book meeting and they got to hear the sharing, they were attracted to that. Unfortunately, people's lives change and, you know, it's a morning meeting, so some people aren't able to attend. However, um, you know, it's so beautiful to see how meet, new meetings spring up. And we're so lucky in Philadelphia, in the Philadelphia area inner group. I believe there's 50 or more meetings just in our inner group. And so many of us listen to this meeting. So uh, there's a lot of strength and support. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you, Anita L. Larry Kay, it's your turn, and then it'll be Lauren N. Good morning, Monica. Good morning. Thanks for your service. I'm Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader, and I'm from Chicago. The, uh, I, I want to focus in on the line uh, that no one is too discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially if he means business. So there's a contingency there. You know, would you believe it if I told you that, that lots and lots of people come to OA and they, they sit in the front row and they take notes and they memorize slogans and they, they lead meetings and still they do not mean business. And, you know, I, I often refer to, because I heard it years ago about, um, you know, we don't get sprinkled with pixie dust here. You know, it's not a Peter Pan program here, right? There's no, there's no fairy godmother. There's no bippity-boppity-boo. None of that stuff here. It's, it's, it's entirely an action program. And, you know, but when you, when you take the actions, when, I was, uh, when the pain got great enough, the pain was the greatest persuader for me. When the pain really got great enough and I was willing to take action, it was the actions first and then the emotions began to change and I began to be brought into alignment with my higher power. And I was always waiting. I was waiting for a feeling, right? I was waiting to feel better because, you know, after all, if I felt better first, it would sure be a heck of a lot easier. So I, I hung around you folks and I waited for a feeling. And that feeling never came. As long as I hung around waiting, that feeling never came. And it wasn't, that's not the way the program was intended for the feeling to come if you hang around and wait for it. No pixie dust. It doesn't exist. What has to happen is we have to follow a practical program of action. And the program of action for me, it may be different for you. It was boring at times. It was really, really difficult at times. It was like doing math homework at times. It didn't come with the feeling. Now, when I heard you talk and I saw the weight that you lost or I saw that you weren't vomiting in a stall anymore, Boy, that made me feel good to see that in you. But that feeling that you had didn't come to me. It, never, it was never intended for me. 
until I took the action first. We, t- we, we change our behavior first and we trust that maybe something will change in us. We have to trust in that. We have to put our food down 100%. That's going to be tough. And then we trust in a process and we wait patiently. And we suffer sometimes patiently. And through those behaviors, we begin to change. Following them precisely, we begin to change. And when we do change, yeah, then the feeling comes. There's no magic wand. Thank God for this practical program of action. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Lauren N., it's your turn, and then it'll be Leah S. Thank you, Monica. It's Lauren N. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. This practical. The, thank you. Um, this practical program has changed my life in ways that I could never have imagined. I was in these rooms when I first came into these rooms in the, my early 20s. I'm now in my late 50s. I ran out when I heard the word God. And I also gained and gained and gained and lost and gained and lost and gained many times. I came back to the program 15 years ago and then left thinking you all were crazy. I didn't realize I was as crazy or crazier than most. This practical program of action, not of feelings has saved my life once again. And I can only hold on and be here every day and do the homework that I'm given by my sponsor and that I'm encouraged to look at the truth because the truth is the answer. Thank you to Bill W. and Dr. Bob. And thank you to all of you on the line here for passing the truth on to me and for allowing me to recover one day at a time. I no longer sabotage myself even though I'm feeling horrible. I no longer beat myself up when I'm human. Sometimes I want to. Sometimes I feel like I need to. But thank God today I'm able to be here and realize that I'm just human. And as a human, I have worry and I have anxiety and I can still do this program of action. I love you all and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren N. Leah S., it's your turn. Thank you so much. Um, this is Leah S. A. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I'm also going to um, point out 
social distinctions and petty rivalries and jealousies. They are left out of continence. No, 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 no. I'm going too far. <laughs> no one is too discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially. And then the key words, if he means business. So in the past, what, what does business mean? It meant the, the more sob story that I could tell you and the more I could try to convince you that I really, really, truly, truly want to lose weight because I really did want to lose weight, then, then, then that meant business to me. And then when I came into the rooms of vision, I realized what business means. Business means that I'm taking responsibility. Business means, in just that one paragraph, um, step three, being wrecked in the same vessel. Step four, cleaning up old scrapes. You know, business means cleaning up old scrapes and trying to get rid of all the other tape recorders that I have in my head and that changing those tape recorders to to meaning, you know, it's not negative anymore, but putting on that new pair of glasses and looking at them in a different way. But I could not look at them in a different way without being abstinent, without going through that pain and finally understanding and truly, truly connecting with my higher power. That was when a lot of uh, issues and a lot of things started uh, just miraculously not becoming issues anymore and not not being bothersome. And it's okay. In the beginning, yes, I could not go into the kitchen at certain hours, but now I can. And this is a, nothing less of a miracle. I keep coming back to the same fact. Wow, October 16th was my fourth anniversary of, of joining Vision for You and the start of my recovery. And I so greatly appreciate that. I can never, ever, ever forget that. And God help me, I don't ever want to. And thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah S. And who else would like to share this morning? We're reading the First two paragraphs on page 161. Lisa B. Hit the R. Um, I heard NASA. I heard Harlan. Lisa B. Melissa. Kelly S. Kelly. Kelly. And I keep missing somebody. Who is it? Lisa B. Lisa. Okay. Gotcha, Lisa. Um, NASA, Harlan, Melissa, Kelly, Lisa. Anyone else? Kim G. Kim. Okay. Now, we are going to have an announcement after Harlan is done. Nessa, you're up, and then Harlan. Thank you. Good morning. Wishing for you. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And this is the line that grabbed me this morning. Um, but life among Alcoholics Anonymous is more than attending gatherings and visiting hospitals. Because when I first came into OA, um, almost 15 years ago now, um, and floundered in the rooms of OA for about nine of those years, 
Um, I was very immersed in meetings. I went to at least three meetings a week. Um, there was a time when I did, you know, the 30 meetings in 30 days and the 60 meetings in 60 days and the 90 meetings in 90 days, hoping, hoping that somehow I would get it by osmosis. But what wasn't happening, well, two things weren't happening. Number one, I wasn't hearing the message. And there were meetings that would read from the big book. Uh, but we would read from the big book for 10 minutes, and then everybody would go around sharing, um, you know, what was wrong with their life. Um, I had sponsors, which in retrospect were not recovered sponsors, and um, were not really steeped in, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, so I wasn't really guided through what it was that I really needed to do, which was very simple. You know, entire abstinence, work the steps according to the big book. Um, the other part is perhaps I wasn't ready or, or willing to do what needed to be done, and I was, I was looking for, still for an easier, softer way, you know, the magic that would transform me without me having to exert any effort or endure any discomfort. Um, you know, and so meetings aren't enough. Meetings are important because um, we get the support from the fellowship, but OA is two things. OA um, and AA is the fellowship, but it is also the program. And the fellowship does not substitute the program, as I found out. It is only after I found a recovered sponsor as someone in whom the problem had been solved, who gave me the real goods, who helped me put my, all my trigger foods, all my trigger ingredients, all my trigger behaviors uh, down, you know, 100%, and then took me to this big book that I found recovery. So, you know, meetings, I mean, I, I, I go to a lot of meetings. I listen to this meeting every day. I go to a face-to-face meeting, which uh, a bunch of us started here in Toronto. Um, that's a, a place where I go, so to speak, to recharge my battery so, so I can go and help others. But that is not the program. That is not what ma- made me recover and, and hel- helps me keep recovered. What does that is actually working the steps in entire abstinence. And, and the meetings won't substitute for that. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who recover without having uh, accessible meetings, only if they put the food down and, and work the steps. So meetings are important, but they are not the substitute for this miraculous, beautiful program. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Harlan G., it's your turn, and then we are going to have an announcement, and then it will be Melissa S. and Kelly S. after that. Harlan, your turn. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Um, Thank you for your service. And, Monica, I also want to thank Team Friday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm so glad to be here. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. And when I look at what we read early in the week on page 159, it says a year and six months later. That means a year and a half from June of 1935. So we're looking at the beginning of 1937 here. We have 10 people in the world of OA. We had 10 people coming to meetings. In 1939, two years later, we have an eight-time increase in the number of people coming to meetings. We have 80 people, 60 or 80. So 
maybe six times, maybe eight times, depending upon how you want to look at it, coming to the meetings. Why? Why is that? I want to go back to page 17 here for just a minute here. But there exists among us a fellowship, a friendliness, and an understanding which is indescribably wonderful. We are like the passengers of a great liner. The moment after rescue from shipwreck, when camaraderie, joyousness, and democracy pervade the vessel from steerage, which is the cheapest ticket, to captain's table, which is the most expensive. Unlike the feelings of the ship's passengers, however, our joy in escape from disaster does not subside as we go our individual ways. The feeling of having shared in a common peril is one element in the powerful cement which binds us, but that in itself would never have held us together as we are now joined. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. I don't have the time to keep going. But when we look at this, what is it that binds us? Do we work together? Hardly. Do we live in the same neighborhood? No. We are a worldwide community. And when I went to the convention, there were people from different countries and there were people from different backgrounds. What joins us? Horror. Horror of this illness. The amputation that we have felt from normal life because of an illness that we can't control, we can't cure, we didn't cause, and we were shipwrecked. We didn't know what to do, and we found somebody holding a lifeboat, we, a lifesaver, and we found somebody that could help us. And little by little by little, we started realizing the most important thing is we are not alone, that there is a solution. And that's why there's a chapter called There Is a Solution. The promise that there is a way out of this is the greatest promise of my life. This is the greatest way of life in the world. There's no greater way of life, but it comes from horror. And with that, I will pass. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Harlan G. And with that, Melanie has a special announcement for us this morning. Thank you. A Vision for You is announcing that this Sunday, October 22nd, 2017, the current membership list on our website will be cleared completely in order to stabilize and revitalize the member list. Please register again on Monday, October 23rd, 2017, and just follow the directions as if you're new. That's the announcement for today. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. And now it's Melissa C's turn, and then it'll be Kelly F. Hi. Good morning. It's Melissa C, recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, am I able to be heard? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Thank you. Yeah, so, you know, what jumps out at me is this, like, petty rivalries and social distinctions and jealousies are, um, you know, they're not, they have, like, no place in our fellowship. They just don't exist. There's a a spirit of, like, love and camaraderie, and our focus is um, on the solution and and not on those things. And, God, I wish I could replicate that in all areas of my life. You know, like, when I... 
pray and meditate in the morning. Um, you know, I'm really imperfect, and I'm still at times jealous, and I still at times get caught up in petty nonsense, and um, and yet it doesn't exist in this beautiful place of recovery that has, you know, completely changed my life, that has made everything better and improved, and, um, you know, and so I just, I'm thinking, like, why isn't this true in other areas of my life, and, and how can I bring this same sort of thing, um, you know, into my workplace, for example, you know, like, you guys are with me in the morning, I drive to my, I drive to my job, this is my morning commute, this is where I, like, get my brain right, you know, like, I'm, I'm a compulsive overeater. I have, yes, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, and I, my thinking is my problem, you know, and, and although I am free, thank you, of the desire to eat today, and I don't eat my alcoholic foods, um, I'm still human, having a human experience, so my brain at times, I still get jealous, I still get petty, um, you know, caught up in stuff, and, um, you know, and I just, like, it's so good for me to be a part of hearing this meeting, of hearing all of you um, apply these readings to your daily life. Like, that's what really helps me. And, um, you know, and I just really wanted to share that, that for today, I'm thinking about, you know, all of us in this fellowship and how successful our fellowship has been because we're not petty and jealous, and um, and I just want to bring that wherever I go today. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Kelly S., it's your turn, and then it'll be Lisa B. Thank you, Monica. It's Kelly S., recovered in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, well, I just wanted to share about this because it reminded me of our um, – vision for you meeting here and just feeling so grateful for the power of this program and you know it's um it says you know we were being attracted from far and near and how you know it just started out with a few and now there's all these you know members and i remember when i started listening um i started listening just a few months after it started and there weren't even like a hundred people on that list on the um sign up list that um Melanie was talking about. And anyway, now there's like over 4,000. I mean, they're having to clean the thing up. It's crazy. I mean, and what are we being attracted to? Or what was I attracted to? I was attracted to the recovery in this program. I mean, it was amazing. You know, the program of Overeaters Anonymous of AA. You know, um, I've been around for 30-something years. I had been attracted to the fellowship and found out the fellowship didn't work. It's important. You guys keep me abstinent. You know, I call you. I do my my step work with you. I do my my growing steps with you, but when it comes down to it, you know, what, what makes it different? It says down here, being wrecked in the same vessel, being restored and united under one God. You know, it it is about that uh, practical program of action. You know, um, this has just been my experience and this is my opinion, but you know, when I came in, OA here was huge. I mean, we had meetings all the time, and we had this meeting every week that was like 50-something people. We did hay rides. We did dances. We did parties. We were happening, man. And guess what? I think there's about 10 people at that meeting now because you know why, in my opinion, 
we were we got away from the big book. You know, we wait, we got away from that program of action. You know, hanging out with each other. You know, we were united, but we weren't all staying in the book. I wasn't staying in the book, I should say, okay? And so when I started listening to Vision and started hearing the recovery and finding out, get back to the book, and it was about, you know, yes, we were wrecked in the same vessel, and I heard people who, you know, in my judgment, of course, were as sick as me and still were getting it because I thought I was the hopeless variety, had been around 30-something years. But you know what? I heard you guys being restored, and this Vision for You meeting is growing, and now because of that, you know, most of us, I know that I started a few months ago taking back this big book to my face-to-face meetings, you know, getting the uh, practical program of action. That's such a tongue twister um, back into my meetings, you know, taking the recovery. And as we hear here, recover, 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 showing people that we can be restored. And it is about working these steps, taking action, being united under one God. And yes, I need each other. We need each other. This is a WE program. It's wit- written I'm having a tongue problem today. It's a we program, and the steps are in we for a reason. So I need you. I need my higher power. I need these steps. I'm doing it one day at a time with you guys. Grateful for that. Thank you, Monica, and I pass. Thank you, Kelly S. Lisa B., it's your turn, and then it'll be Kim G. Good morning. This is Lisa B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you, Monica, for your service. I'm really grateful to be here. I found this morning with this reading, I had to read it a few times for things to jump out at me. Um, So when it says, if he means business, well, that really jumped out at me. Um, I find that when I get calls from people, they want to screen, you know, what do you do when you work with people? And, you know, what are your requirements? And um, I just know that for me, when I started to work with my recovered sponsor, I just, I just needed, I needed relief. I needed help. I didn't really just want relief. I wanted freedom. I had actually lived off and on with relief for a few years in the middle of the road solution. And I needed, uh, I needed freedom. I needed a whole new creation to take place inside of me. So um, that's, that's what jumps out at me. It's if he means business. And I find that when people are like kind of thinking about it, they want to get everything all in order, everything all in line, understand everything before they take the plunge. It's, it's just they're going to need more pain, I think. You know, that's been my experience because food is going to be the greatest motivator of pain. Um, and then I hear the principles of our personalities talked about here with social distinctions, petal, petty rivalries and jealousies. And then I love the saying, the line, being wrecked in the same vessel, being restored and united under one God. So that word restored is so important to me and my journey, and it's important in this big book. It talks about how our instincts are restored to their true purpose. You know, my instincts have been restored to its true purpose one day at a time when I'm spiritually connected. Um, and I'm able then to do some of what they're talking about in this paragraph. But if, I'm, if I haven't worked the steps, I'm not going to be able to do these things that they're talking about here. Um, and then the other thing that reminds me is in, on page 88, how, you know, we are undisciplined. So we let God discipline us in a simple way. And then I also think about in step 10, how love and tolerance of others is my code. But the whole thing for me each day is to be unblocked, to not be in fear, you know, to not be um, resentful and self-seeking and self-pity. Um, it's, it's to be unblocked constantly. And it says here um, that the things that used to matter, basically what I think it's saying is that the things that used to matter at one time no longer matter much to them. How could they? And 
every day, you know, that is kind of a battle for me. I still want to put myself first. It's like, what about me? No, not my will, thine be done. And I have to surrender, you know, but even that desire to surrender, that comes from God. Like none of this comes from for me, it's through working the steps, taking the action, and like what was shared earlier, if I wait until it's going to feel okay and it feels all right and all my ducks in a row, it's just not going to happen. I have to jump in and I have to surrender at death. I have to or, you know, I will die. And if I don't have that realization, um, it's, just, it's just not going to really work. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Kim G. It's your turn. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And I'm, I'm going to use that same line that Lisa did. Being wrecked in the same vessel, being restored under one God, with hearts and, and minds attuned to the welfare of others. You know, you know there are over 1,200, 1200 over 200 12-step groups. You know, why can't we just all go to AA? Why does everybody have to form these separate groups for drugs and alcohol and food? Because there's two differences between AA, OA, GA, all the different A's. Is number one, wrecked into the same vessel. Is a different step one, what I'm powerless over. And the second one is step 12, is who I carry the message to. So who, with hearts and minds, attend to the welfare of others. That's why I need to be a member of Overeaters Anonymous and not just go, you know, to AA meetings, even though I do attend them as a non-alcoholic. But as I'm reading this, I'm thinking of of actually the prefaces. I'm thinking of in the forward to the fourth edition where it says, in country after country where the AA AA seed was planted, it has taken root slowly at first, then growing by leaps and bounds when literature has become available. I'm thinking in the forward to the second edition where it talks about the growth. You know, we talk about in this chapter how there's 10 people after 18 months. In 1939, there's an article, Alcoholics and God, that comes out, and there's 800 frantic inquiries. In 1941, there's over 2,000 after um, the Jack Alexander article. And at the end of 1941, it shoots up to 8,000. That's an amazing growth, absolutely amazing growth. And I often hear, you know, how do I start an, a Vision for You meeting? I have to tell you, this chapter is a beautiful example of how the fellowship grow and how we can grow. Often people want the quote-unquote format of the Vision for You. There's nothing magical about the format. What is it? What is it about is the electricity in the room? What is the electricity in Newark? It's recovery. Recovery is the secret sauce. This is where we find out when people in whom the problem has been solved. You know, Barbara E. asked how many people there are in Overeaters Anonymous. In 1990, there was a census, and there was 150,000 people in Overeaters Anonymous. In 2014, there was a census, and there's only 56,000 people in Overeaters Anonymous. That's something we need to think about. So I think about a vision for you. What was our path? You know, in 2012, there was 40 or 50 people frantically needing to carry this message. What were we united on? The love of the big book and the program of recovery. Now, five years later, there's 2,000 hits a day on the website. There's a 7 a.m. meeting that has over 300 people. We've added a 10 a.m. meeting. You know, I think to myself, my experience in a way is that many meetings were basically fifth steps where people complain and bitch about their life. And that's why there was no growth, in my opinion. In the vision for you, think about it. Think about all the people that you hear. Do you know how many of us are married, have kids, what our jobs are? No. Why? Because we're sharing a message of depth and weight. And I want to end with this, that line that says, united under one God. We all have a different idea of God. 
my opinion is we're united under these 12 steps. And I ask us, are we really united under these 12 steps? That's the message of depth and weight that needs to be carried in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And who else would like to share this morning? We are on page 161. We're reading the first two full paragraphs. Madam? Matt? Melanie C. Melanie? Probably time for one more. Who else? M. Something M. It was Debbie M. And then Leia V. And um, I'll take your name, Leia, but I'm afraid we probably won't have time, but who knows? Okay, that's it. It's okay. Everything's so, Matt M, Matt M, Melanie C, Debbie M, and Leia D. Okay, Matt. Hey, I'll make mine quick. Hi, Monica. Thank you for your service. Good evening. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. Compulsive Reader from New Jersey. Good evening. Oh, my God. Anyway, um... It's talking about how AA is still growing, you know, by leaps and bounds in here. It's one house, 60 to 80 people as a rule. I've been to my home meeting uh, where I live in New Jersey, and it was so big at one time. It's like 30, 40 people, 50 people there, and now it's down to like 10 people, and I think that's because they lost the message. It's not a big book meeting, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's dwindled to nothing, almost nothing since that time. And uh, I used to have to give a lot of service. I used to have uh, workshops and all that stuff. I used to have a dance that sponsored uh, and used to do all kinds of fun stuff and now it's dwindled to almost nothing and I think that's because like I said it's not a big book meeting and I, I, I don't want to say that it should change the format but I think that if it was changed it would be much more bigger with such a grow by leaps and bounds again uh, there's, there's something about a big book meeting the recovery that you hear in the room from people who are recovered for years or who, who got it you know I don't, I'm not saying I have it I'm far from it I'm just starting to finally realize that there is a solution in the big book, and I'm listening, finally taking direction, which I have the willingness to do, which I didn't have like even a week ago. So I'm grateful I have the willingness to work it. But, you know, like I said, there are, if there, there's always a reason why big meetings shrink, shrink down to nothing. There's usually a reason for that, and I, I see that now firsthand. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. Melanie C., it's your turn, and then it'll be Debbie M. And please, everyone, if you're not Melanie C., please check to make sure your phone is muted. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and um, I'm looking at this whole thing in entirety because it is exactly what has been given to me, what I saw visually when I came into the rooms when I was so broken and what was happening in those particular rooms. And then what was encouraged of me to be involved in would be the second paragraph, what I would be of service to, and the things that I was taught by my sponsor, First and foremost, it was at the top of page 14, which says, establish and maintain the new order of things, Melanie, because these are the essential requirements. And what the big book saying and cautioning me is that I'm going to do something against that, against what we're reading today by nature normally, because that was the result I had gotten. She said, stay visible. No cherry picking, Melanie, which meant you take the calls, you be of service, you don't judge it, you don't categorize, you don't decide if you're going to take this one or that one, that sort of thing. Um, service to the point of exhaustion. Why? Because of what was given to me. My life has been absolutely transformed. Had you been a fly on the wall in my household and you see what's happened to me as a result of what's going on in these rooms, you would not question why. You know, we do the service that we do to the point to which we do it here in these rooms. 
I am driven to do so. I'm driven to maintain what was given to me. Every single day I have a specific way in which I do things. Why? Because I forget easily. I um, decide that maybe I can do it differently. And it's just a gauge and a barometer in which I can maintain what it's been given to me. It's getting better, richer, sweeter every single day. Every day. I am constantly amazed. And what I thought was such a teeny tiny itty-bitty world when I came in here agoraphobic 12 years ago or so is huge. And I wondered how I'd ever be able to do what is asked of me to do in here. And it is effortless, absolutely effortless. The miracles keep coming to me as long as I maintain this order of things, as long as I um, can find a way in which to show up and do those things every single day that allows somebody else that's suffering to come in, the grassroots level of this particular deal, not the politics, not the personalities, but the principles of serving another person, then we both get to have this marvelous thing, a, a real life, a bona fide real life. I no longer separate my things into compartments. I don't have Melanie, the worker person. I don't have Melanie, the, the grandmother. I don't, it, it is who I am. I've been called to do this sort of thing. And then with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Melanie. Debbie M., it's your turn, and then it'll be Leah D. Hi, can you hear me okay? Hello? Yes, go ahead. Okay. Um, this is Debbie N., uh, recovering compulsive overeater in Indiana. Thank you for your service. Thanks to all of Team Friday. And um, I just wanted to comment on no one is too discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially if he means business. I have been in relapse for over a year. I attended this meeting faithfully, but I would never speak up. But finally, I had sunk too low. Um, I was suffering from anxiety, depression, um, agoraphobia, um, a mess, a mess. Um, I was suffering, and I was not as bad off as I was the first time I recovered a couple of years ago, but I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, and someone has said, you can get off at any floor, and this, the stories in this book have shown that people were able to recover even if they weren't at the lowest of the low. We just have to be suffering. We just have to be willing to do the work. And so last Thursday, when the available sponsor list shared, I contacted one of them immediately. On Friday, we met. Four days later, I was doing my step four. And now I'm working on step five because I'm working the steps like my hair is on fire. Of course I put down the food. Of course I put down the food. And it's been miserable. <laughs> I'm still I'm feeling better, but i got to be honest, I'm still a little miserable. So, you know, I'm not going to miss my meeting with my sponsor today because I've got to work these steps 
quickly, and I'm thankful to all who share their experience, strength, and hope about working these steps quickly and about the stories here in the big book. You know, they sat down and packed out their four steps over the kitchen table. And um, let's not waste time. I'm not wasting any more time. And I'm thankful for each and every one of you and for this program. And with that, I share. I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Debbie. And I'm sorry that I um, we ran out of time here this morning. I'm sorry, Leah D. Another no hour has gone by so quickly uh, here. Thank you all to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Friday, the 20th of October, 2017, is 10571, 10,571. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Lauren N., would you read for us, please? Thank you, Monica. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.